The reading is taken this morning from Romans chapter 8, reading from the 5th verse to the 14th. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to those to God's law. Indeed it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he, will raise, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through his Spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, so this morning we're continuing our series thinking about how we are one as God's church, uh, how we are called by Jesus uh, to become the church uh, that he prayed for when he prayed that we may be one. Uh, when, when we think of family, we, we often think of unity. We, we think of togetherness. We, we think of those who we are related to by blood. Uh, but I wonder, do you ever think of perfection when you think of family? Not at all. Uh, not at all. Uh, theologically, in, in the past, the, the church used to uh, define its identity based on uh, doctrines. And whenever anyone disagreed... The, the church would split and there'd be a new denomination and uh, they would disagree because that's what families tend to do and they would split and there'd be another denomination. And that's kind of been the pattern of the church through history where uh, we've wanted to unite around doctrine but we, we've never 100% agreed on everything. Now most of the churches around the world agree on what we declare in our creeds. Uh, both the Eastern and the Western Church agree on what we declare in our creeds. That's core that we can gather around. But when you think about the, the everyday, the what songs we sing, how we do communion, uh, all of those sorts of things, uh, people struggle to agree. And, and so, so the model that we're, we're called that works best for church is the model of family. Now, uh, not all earthly families represent this well, but when you disagree, you still continue to be family, don't you? Uh, when life is not going well for one part of the family, you, you step in and you, you gather around. Uh, family is the identity marker that we're called to as a, as a church because it's something that rises above uh, all of our imperfection and our disagreement. Now, at Christmas, we, we're reminded that Family's uh, not perfect. It's not always what we want it to be. It's something that continually shifts and changes. And if we don't work on it, it kind of drifts apart. So what's the sign that you're part of God's family? What's the sign that you're part of God's family? If you'd 
flow down with me. I won't make anyone call it out because often when people say Jesus, the Bible, it's not going to be the right answer here. <laughs> if you go to Romans 8.15, read with me this. It says, so we're on page 919 if you're in the Pew Bibles. Uh, if you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption when you cry, Abba, Father. It is this very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The indicator that you are part of the family of God is that you are marked by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not just on you, but living in you. That's the marker for us as Christians, that you're part of the family. When you think of uh, earthly families, uh, typically it might be a, a surname <laughs> that, that marks you as part of that family. Maybe it's that you share of the same DNA, same blood, but that's not always guaranteed the case. And, uh, but as Christians... What marks us, what runs through us, is the Spirit of God. As the Spirit of God sets us aside, marks us as God's own, our identity, our family, comes from that, that we're called by His Spirit. Now, this isn't something that's unique to us here. It's something that every Christian around the world is marked by the Spirit of God. The Spirit lives in every Christian so who's your family? Uh, everyone that would call themselves Christian. Now, at one level, as Christians, we, we, we don't get to choose our family in the same way that uh, as earthly people, we don't necessarily get to choose our family. Uh, but there is one level at which we do choose our family. We, we choose to be the family of God here at St. Barnabas. Uh, we, one of our values is this. Uh, we are a church where everyone belongs because we're united as a family in Jesus. So we faithfully seek to welcome, include, love, and honor all. And so as a, as a church, we have this value that we are a family together and we want to cultivate what that produces among us. Uh, what family uh, produces is, is culture in us. And so family produces culture in us. It's both a blessing and a curse. Uh, think about the things that you do today uh, there and the things that you say and some of the opinions that you have. It's most likely because they've been handed down to you by the family uh, that you've been in. Uh, Hamish uh, and his friends at school say, wait, what? To, to, before they start every sentence. We've been trying to figure out where it comes from. Can you figure out, have you figured it out yet, Hamish? We haven't figured it out, but someone started it. And you'll find that you say certain things that come from just what you watch, who you surround yourself with, your family. Uh, a lot of people that grow up in a non-Christian family have this opinion. Uh, I'm, a, I'm more of a, you know, a scientific uh, person of reason. I'm not a religious person. Where's that come from? It, it's not well thought out. It's just something that their mom or their dad has said, that we're a, a, more a science family than a religious family and not realizing that actually those things aren't polar opposite. You can hold those things together. And, and so the role of, of family is to give this kind of cohesive worldview, but 
It's both a blessing and a curse because no one's perfect in the way that they perceive the world. No one's perfect in the way that they follow God. And so hopefully uh, my kids will pick up something of the way that I follow God and follow him in the same way. Uh, But we don't get to choose uh, what part of our culture is handed on through our family. Our, Our kids, our family, choose it themselves. And so the, the, the habits, the priorities, uh, the traditions are all part of family. The, the burdens, uh, the priorities, how you handle money uh, creates culture. It's a blessing and a curse because once you have really good culture, what, what we see, Christian families that develop a great culture of following Jesus tend to produce generation upon generation of those who faithfully follow Jesus. Why is this? It's because culture has a way of reproducing what it already is. And so one of the reasons we have family as a value for us as a church is we want to create a culture that reproduces disciples who produce disciples of Jesus that live faithfully in the way that God calls us to live by Scripture. And such, a lot of what we read in Scripture is just, oh, that's just the way that we do things. And then as we read in Scripture, we go, oh, well, that's what we already do. It's because it's embedded into our culture. And so family produces culture in us. And at some level, when you have influence over the people around you, and you have influence, (laughs) you are going to see that the people around you look dress a little bit similar, sound a little bit similar, because they see something good in you that they want to produce in them. And so family is, is a value for us because it uh, creates something that reproduces something. It, it is something that includes us, uh, motivates us, sustains us, strengthens us. And for us as Christians... What marks us as included is that the Spirit of God lives in us. So creating culture, though, it requires work because what do we bring? What do each of us bring to church? Uh, we bring our own family culture. I bring my family culture, the family that I grew up in, the church families that I've been a part of until I arrived here. Uh, you also bring your own uh, family of origin as well as the church families that you've been part of before you arrived here. We, we all bring that together. And so in order to create a, a, a family that is unified, we need to do work around that. What, what does that mean? It means at some level we need to say, well, that was the tradition of my old family. This is the family that we are building together that as we are led by Jesus, as we are shaped by God's word, as we are empowered by the spirit, this is what we are trying to create together. And so I need to kind of leave that behind because the behind has defined who I am now, but it is not enough to take me where Jesus needs me to be. And so that's one of the challenges. Creating this value of family uh, requires work. Uh, But often what we do is what we've always done uh, and what we do is shaped by what we've always thought we were capable of. But God wants us to kind of 
explode out of that box as we are empowered by his spirit to not be the old person, but to be a completely new person in Christ. Uh, I, over the last 20 years, I, I, I have been plagued by one injury or another. I'll, I'll get one fixed. I, uh, I've had knee injuries, shoulder injuries, most of it my own fault because I have a mind that is willing to go harder than my body is often willing to keep up with me. And so as I started a, um, started a new thing uh, in the last week, uh, I said to the guy, look, you've got to be aware that I've had all these injuries and I don't want to go back there, but if you push me, I will push me and I'll probably end up back there. And so after the first workout, I felt my neck tension up and that's one of the key ways that I carry tension. My mum said to me, oh, you know, it's just the one of the ways our family carries tension, it's through, through the neck and through. I, I thought, well, okay, I've got to be really careful of this. And so I told him to be aware and then, you know, the next day I woke up and I felt a little bit sore as you do, and uh, <laughs> DOMS is a thing. Uh, I, I like to change the acronym and be delayed old man syndrome. So, because the older you get, it's the worst. So you do, you do exercise, and it's not the first day that's the worst, it's the next day, and I woke up the next day, and I could feel that tensioning sort of happening through my shoulders, and I thought, oh no, oh no. And so I, I had this conversation with the guy, I said, look, I'd like to just sign up for a month because at the end of the month, like I'll know whether I can do this or whether I can't do this. And so I did my first thing on on Monday. On Friday, I woke up and I, I can give this another go, but I think I'm just going to sign up for a month. And as I went down there and, and I saw him and I was talking to him, he's like, okay, so are you going to sign up for the month? And And I felt like the Spirit of God said to me, you're okay to sign up for six. Now, my belief based on uh, what I've always done and what I've experienced as I've tried to get back into fitness and got re-injured again, it was that I could only do a month, one month. Now, in that moment, the Spirit said to me, six months is okay. You are going to be okay. And I've woken up two days after that, that Friday and, and I'm doing really well. The, the next not what it was on Wednesday, and maybe it's going to work out. Our culture, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about the world, can shape the decisions that we make in such a way that we can not do what is going to be beneficial to us. Now, he was amazing. He, he, you know, like he was, his follow-up was amazing. Like he, he called me up the next day after Monday. How'd you go? How'd you pull up? Called me up the day after. And then he sent me a message on the morning of Friday just to follow me up. And, and I thought afterwards, I thought, wow, imagine if we were really that good at following people up as they wanted to make decisions to follow Jesus. Because of one level, it's really similar. <laughs> It requires work of us to follow Jesus. Uh, we're wanting spiritual fitness to be produced in us. But there's so much culture already around us and in us that gets in the way of that happening. So as we're starting a new year, we, we need to remember and recognize that the culture around us doesn't necessarily uh, aid us. Uh, often it conspires against what we really want inside. 
And so God gives us each other to encourage each other up. He gives us this gathering on Sundays to uh, re-inspire us to go through a week and uh, do uh, what we need to do in order to grow as followers of Jesus, but it requires work. And I think we've got a lot of really good things going for us as a church, a lot of great community already, but I think we've got a lot of work to do still to build our church in such a way that we're the church that Jesus prayed for. And so that's stuff for us to do. And what that will require of us is doing work before we've necessarily seen results. And so that's what I feel like God is calling us to this year, uh, that, that we don't actually need to submit to our past, but we need to surrender to what God has for our future. Now, who, who believes that God has good plans for them? Who believes that God has hopes and dreams for them? Who believes that it's better than what you can do yourself or achieve yourself? That's right. So that's what we gather around, but we need to be careful not to submit to our past. We need to surrender. That means giving up, taking a risk, being bold to what God has prepared for us in the future. So, so how do we do this? Uh, how do we surrender to what God has for us? The first thing we need to realize is we didn't choose God. God chose you. You didn't say, come and live in me. <laughs> and then kind of did some work to make yourself a Christian. No, he chose you and he marked you by his spirit. He has included you. At some level, you are here because he has called you and he has more for you. What you do with that, you can kind of walk out the door and do nothing with it. And he'll keep knocking and he'll keep calling and he's chosen you and he's pursuing you and he's wanting you to respond. So the first step for us is to realize God has chosen us. And if God has chosen us, he has more prepared for us. Uh, it says in Romans eight twelve. so then brothers and sisters, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. What does that mean? Not to the way of this world, not to the desire of our body, to live according to that way, but we're actually debtors to God. If God has bought us eternity, if God has bought us new life, if God has bought us out of our past and got a glorious future for us, we are actually debtors to Him, who has done all things for us in order to bring reconciliation to us. That eternity is ours, we are debtors to him, and, and so God has chosen us, and so what do we do? Our goal is to make it our aim to please him. How can I please you? So, first step, realize God chose us. The second step is walk by the Spirit. What, what, what does that mean? If the Spirit of God lives in you, you need to learn what it looks like to walk in tune with the Spirit of God at work in you? What does it look like to be in step with Him? Because when I'm in step with Him, I know life works much better than when I'm out of step. Uh, I, when I'm out of step, I usually trip over and He picks me up and then I learn what it looks like to walk in step again. What, what does that mean? There's, there's rhythm and timing as a Christian. Uh, you're not just kind of meandering, walking through the way. It means you need to learn 
what he's got up to. Is this a season of he's actually running really fast and he wants me to run with him? Or is he walking slow and he wants me to appreciate what he's doing? Can I hear his beat in my life? Am I aware of his presence? At some level, as a Christian, we're, because the Spirit is in us, we feel it. Uh, that the Spirit of God in us cries out what? Abba, Father, Daddy, God. A, a little kid that's learning to walk. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing little Jamie out there. A little kid that's learning to walk looks around to their parents what, saying, I'm doing this. Do I kind of have your approval? Am I like... And in the same way, as Christians, we're called to have this close, intimate relationship with God that uh, means that we know what he's up to. We know where he's working in the same way that Jesus only did what he saw his father do and said what his father said. Uh, we are in tune as we walk by the Spirit. So, so how do you walk by the Spirit? Uh, let me encourage you, uh, maybe a habit for this year is to start each day with the question, how can I please you today, God? Now, you may not have an immediate answer as you pray that question, but start the day with this question. Maybe a thought comes to mind uh, straight away. Maybe as you just pause as you ask, because uh, if you ask God the question, how can I please you today, and then you just go and do something else, uh, maybe you're not listening for an answer. <laughs> maybe you're just ticking a box. So sit down, have two minutes, and just say, God, how can I please you today? Just sit. And allow God to bring something to, to mind. And if he doesn't, that's, that's okay. No pressure, no stress. You haven't failed. Uh, but if he does, you, you've got something. If he doesn't, look around and think about as you walk throughout your day, how can I please you today, God? What can I do that will bring pleasure to you? Uh, the next thing uh, you can do that I think will help you to walk by the Spirit is to read the book of Acts and believe that the same Spirit who is at work in them is alive in you. So read through the, the book of Acts. So we read through uh, some of Luke's gospel at the end of last year. Uh, open up Acts and just read a little bit. Read a little bit and think about what it looked like for them, for the Spirit of God to work in their lives and invite God to do similar with you. Uh, and, and don't be surprised if he does. And then the third thing that we can do to walk by the Spirit, I'm just going to remind you of bells. Uh, so back in July, August last year, we went through this series, Surprise the World. And you can find the, the sermons up on our website and on, mostly on YouTube. And so we looked at these habits uh, for us as Christians. What do families have habits or culture? Uh, this is what we do on a Sunday morning. This is what we do on a Friday night. Families have habits, and habits are really useful because they uh, are part of the culture in us and we don't have to think too much about doing them. So begin to put in practice these habits, blessing, uh, that is being generous, uh, thinking about how you can please God through bringing pleasure to other people, eating together, being hospitable, uh, listening, uh, that is being spirit-led, uh, learning, being Christ-like. If you want a copy of the book, and you want to think through it again, I'm happy to give you a copy of the book to read through. And thinking about how, God is, how does God send us to be his missional people in the world, to bring him pleasure by being his sent ones. So how do we walk by the Spirit? These are three things that, that you could do really practically. How can I please you today, God? 
read through Acts and think about how you can actually implement what we talk about. Uh, let me give you an encouragement. Uh, the, if God's spirit is in you, you're part of the family, you have a spirit of adoption. What, what, what does that mean? You, At some level, uh, I don't always feel like I fit in, right? At some level, when you're in a group, you may not always feel like you fit in. And if you always feel like you fit in, uh, maybe you need some more self-awareness because we don't always fit in. We're not always like everyone else. We're not building a uniform culture here. Uh, We're celebrating diversity and how God works our diversity into a place of unity. So why am I encouraging you to have a spirit of adoption? The, The role of the spirit is to include you. I don't feel worthy. You're included. And God has given you his spirit to remind you that you're included, to stir up in you what is needed for us to grow together as a family. You have a spirit of adoption. What does that mean? (laughs) You have been chosen. The the child that grows up in a family uh, that then has the adopted child, uh, the shortened version of this story, the, the, the child says, well, I'm part of the family, the one that's biological to the adopted child. Uh, you're not really part of the family because you weren't born into it. And the, the adopted child says, well, the family actually chose me. <laughs> they didn't have a choice with you. <laughs> God chose you. He wants you to be part of his family. So if he wants you to be part of the family, whether you feel included, worthy, uh, that you measure up, that you are enough, doesn't matter. He wants to remind you that you are worth something, worth going to the cross for, worth redeeming, because he wants you to be part of his family. And so the spirit in you wants to grow you in that understanding that you're feeling encouraged, that you're included. Uh, The Spirit also wants to remind you that you're an inheritor of the glory of Christ. You're an inheritor of glory in Christ. What what does this mean? It it means that all that is His is yours. Uh, When you think of a family and a will being read out and the things going to everyone and people bickering because families often bicker over money... uh, (laughs) There's more than enough to go round. And his entire inheritance is yours in Christ. You are a valued, equal, important member of God's family. Now, you may not have 100% realized that. You may not have 100% found your place. But let me encourage you, this year, God has a purpose for you. He's included you. He's adopted you. He has reward as you find that place for him Uh, there's things that we do that are just part of well we're part of the family we just do them because that's stuff that our family has to do packing down the christmas decorations after that's just you know you don't have to be gifted at that there's some things that, that people are particularly gifted at and this year i think god wants to stir that up within you and help you to see that for yourself that god is called you i just touched my screen in the wrong spot to be gifted it wasn't them it was me uh, 
God has called you uh, to explore his gifting and th- his gifting to you, something that he's given to you as a new person, as a new creation. And so, so what do we do with that? We, we at some level need to leave behind what was, embrace the culture of our family here and surrender to what he has for us in the future. So one goal for our church family in 2023, we make it our aim to please Amen.